Hi, Scott and John here. Yeah, folks, the world is fast approaching the end game, and we are trying to expose the upcoming deception before time runs out. We want to make this a full-time goal, and we need your support to fight the satanic global elite. So here's how you can help. Subscribe to the new Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast to listen to every episode ad-free. Plus, get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to a new community forum. Sure. So just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com or you can click the uh, link in the show notes to get started today. Thanks again. Welcome to Bible Mysteries. You're listening to episode 69, The Bermuda Triangle. What if there are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know? Are you ready to take the red pill? And now, here are your hosts, Scott and Zena. Hi guys, and welcome back to Bible Mysteries Podcast, the show that asks you, are you ready to swallow the red pill? This is true. Are you ready to swallow the red pill for a whole new year? I am. I am totally ready to swallow the red pill. This is going to be our third season, Zena. Yeah, wowzers. Starting the third season. This is episode 69. And this, by the time people receive this episode, it will have already been the new year. Yes. So uh, happy new year. Yeah. So happy new year to everybody and all our listeners. And thank you for your support. Yes. All through last year. So we're entering 2022. That's mind Crazy, isn't it? I didn't think I'd ever live to see that year. No. Because I was born in 1962. So here I am <laughs> <laughs> looking at it 60 years later. I never imagined being 60 years old, you know. No. Well, I'll be 60 years old to the end of this year because I was born in December, but you get the idea. We get the idea. We get the idea. <laughs> so anyway, and you might recall that when we wrapped up last season talking about the wise men. Yes. I promised our listeners that I was going to do something on the Bermuda Triangle. Yeah, and then we asked you guys if you guys knew anything about the Bermuda Triangle. Yeah, and I've gotten more than one request to do a study about the Bermuda Ooh. Triangle. So I got to tell you, I, it's a little bit of a spoiler alert, but there's not anything in the Bible about the Bermuda Triangle. Ooh, okay. Yeah, and when you think about it, when we get into the specifics of it, you'll kind of realize why. It's not really an area of the world the Bible ever discusses because mm -hmm. the Bible doesn't discuss anything about America or South America or China mm -hmm. or any of those places either. So it's it's very much an Eastern book okay, and focused on the Middle East in particular. However, that doesn't mean there aren't some gleanings in Scripture that we can use to help us solve the mystery very true. of the Bermuda Triangle. So we'll get started with that. And I would imagine there's plenty of our listeners that may not know anything about the Bermuda Triangle. Yes. Have you ever heard of that term, the Bermuda Triangle? I have, and I've just heard that when you go through the Bermuda Triangle, mysterious things happen, and planes disappear, yeah. and boats disappear, and they do not resurface. This is true. And I remember hearing about it when I was young, and of course it was like I was fascinated. Yeah. I thought of, oh, a, a plane could just disappear and suddenly be gone without a trace, you know? Yeah. So, but as it turns out, this is not an area, this is not a phenomena that's only limited to the Berean Triangle. Mm -hmm. this, these kind of disappearances happen all over the world. Really? Yeah. Maybe there's the belief that it's more frequent in the Bermuda Triangle, mm -hmm. but the Bermuda Triangle is literally an area over the Atlantic Ocean that covers a large triangular area of land and water. So that's okay. why it's called the Triangle. 
and its northernmost point is the island of Bermuda, so I guess that's what lends its name to it. Okay. There's also people that call it the Devil's Triangle. Oh, You know, but I, the devil has more problems to deal with than that. Very <laughs> so. true. But there are literally thousands of sea vessels and aircraft that travel this region on almost a daily basis. And they don't go missing? And they don't go missing. Oh, okay. So the few that have ever gone missing, well, th there's been plenty of crashes and things like that, mm -hmm. weather-related incidents, and most of them can be explained. Very few of the actual disappearances are unexplained. Okay. So, you know, and we could take specific cases, but I thought, well, that gets us away from Bible mysteries. Yes. You know, we you, there's plenty of shows you can watch and videos about the Bermuda Triangle. If you just Google it, you'll find out all kinds of information. Some of it is factual. Some of it's simply just not true. Okay. You know, so you have to take it with a grain of salt. Very true. But there are other areas of the world with a more obvious dark spiritual connection than the Bermuda Triangle. Mm -hmm. And they're in the Bible. So we can talk about those as well. But the Bible, as I said, does not specifically mention the Bermuda Triangle. And so our listeners can't see this and our viewers can't see this, but uh, there's a map. Okay. And it shows oh. you that the northeastern point of the triangle starts in the island of Bermuda, which is a beautiful island. I've been there. Really? Yeah. I've actually been there. I did a USO tour once many moons ago, and uh, it's entertaining our troops. And so there's a Navy base in Bermuda, and we played for them. That's so cool. It, the southeasternmost part is in Puerto Rico, and I have been there too. And look, he's still alive. And ironically, <laughs> the western point of the triangle is in Miami, and I've been there. <laughs> I actually went there on a honeymoon with my wife. Uh, uh, not a honeymoon, but an anniversary. And uh, she used to work on a cruise ship out of Miami. No way. Yeah. And, so, and we went to the Bahamas, which crosses right through right? the line there. So we didn't disappear. No. I didn't see any aliens or any weird <laughs> things there, you know. But, uh, you know, some people have, and that's okay. Uh, so just to let people know, that's the general region of it. If you took a triangle, you'd draw it from a point from Bermuda to Puerto Rico to Miami and back, and that would be the area that's covered. And you can look at that and see how many hundreds of cruise ships, hundreds yeah. of international flights would cross that, mm -hmm. not to mention smaller aircraft and smaller boats <clears throat> all through the Bahamas, all yeah. through the Turks and Caicos Islands. So. You know, uh, the, the number of items or craft that disappear is so few in comparison to what actually travels through the area. So I found two particular websites that mention some things about it. And here's the first one. It's called thankgodforjesus.org. And they write this statement. Spiritually, the Bermuda Triangle is a region of darkness where many crimes against humanity and destruction of God's handwork is perpetrated. These crimes are penetrated under the ocean and thus cannot be seen with the natural eyes for the most part. Hmm. I kind of have to say this is unprovable. Okay. I, I mean, was first like, of I, all, you know, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was feel, I'm like, ah, but it's like when they, when they say that cannot be seen yeah. with the natural eye, then I'm like, <laughs> then how did you see it? Then it's under the ocean, right? So yeah. they can't be seen. So that's a perfect way to hide behind. I don't really have any evidence. You know? <laughs> Not trying to take anything away from the good-hearted people at thankgodforjesus.org, but I read through some of the things, and they give no proof. Okay. They give no evidence of this dark things. There are realms of spiritual darkness, mm -hmm. and we can find that in Scripture. Very and true. And there are horrible crimes against humanity that are being perpetrated by the satanic global elite. Yes. And we talked about some of those. But uh, here they just kind of threw that out there like a big matzo ball hanging and it's not really <laughs> provable anyway. 
Now, another one was called gotquestions.org. And they write perhaps the most telling data about the Bermuda Triangle, and I thought this was a, a good point. Okay. It comes from Lloyd's of London, which is an insurance company that insures ships and sea vessels. They insure a lot of things. <clears throat> a policy from Lloyd's of London for seafaring vessels that travel often through the Bermuda Triangle is no more expensive than policies for other areas of the ocean. Hmm. And if there were tons of disappearances and weird things happening there, yeah. you'd think they would up their rates. Right. So obviously, you know, they deal in statistics, they deal in mortality, morbidity, whatever you call it, and they want a, they want a good return on their investment. Yeah. So if they don't raise the rates there, then there's nothing. Nothing to worry nothing about. Nothing statistically, uh, statistically that's going on there. So I thought, well, how can we approach this subject and still relate it to the Bible? And yes. so the real question is, is the Bermuda Triangle a spiritual portal of some That's kind? a good question. Don't you think maybe that would address the overall picture of is there something spiritually dark or evil going on there mm -hmm. that can be related to things? And therefore, the question is, are there spiritual portals? And I, I do believe there are. Okay. I believe you can find them in Scripture, and we'll look at good ones and bad ones, and we'll see if we can make a connection that is there a possibility that events are going on there. And the first thing I have to say is, well, you could say there's um, like unidentified flying objects and, and alien craft or whatever that mm -hmm. might be there. But they've been sighted all over the world. Very true. Not just in the Bermuda Triangle. Have planes disappeared without explanation in other places? Yeah, they have. Mm -hmm. You know, so spiritual portals, are they the reason for these unexplained phenomena or disappearances? Well, the, the answer is possibly so. And therefore, without getting into the specifics of just Bermuda, let's look and see if there are any spiritual portals anywhere, okay? So we'll look at portals to heaven. Okay. We could call heaven another dimension, the spiritual dimension, the spiritual realm, whatever you want to refer to it as. The Bible calls it heaven. And there's evidence in scripture that lends itself to saying there are areas of the world where the spiritual realm and the natural world that we understand it of flesh and blood intersect. Okay. Or traverse. So we'll look at the first one in scripture in the book of Genesis chapter three. And this was right after Adam and Eve had sinned. They were, she was deceived by the serpent. They took the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, that tree. And God in, encountered them and he basically called them into question. And that's really where the big um, uh, prophecy starts in Genesis 3.15 about the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. And at that, since I mentioned it, I'm going to give a big shout out again to my brother Ryan Peterson because uh, I've told you about his first book, The Judgment of the Nephilim. Mm -hmm. His new book is out. We've done an interview with him, The Final Nephilim. Ooh. I just finished reading my copy of The Final Nephilim here. The first book was so good, I thought there's no way he's going to top that. Yeah. That was his magnum opus. I could not have been more wrong. <laughs> the first read-through, and I am just blown away at how gifted he is and how God is using Ryan in a big way to talk about things. This is more than just a book about the giants. This is so much about the Antichrist and the tribulation and the end times. And he puts things together in a way that I've been studying for years and I never saw those connections, scripturally speaking. So kudos to you, Ryan. I can't wait to have you back on the show again. But more importantly, get this book, folks, and read this book. And get, read his first one, too. But this one will blow your mind. It blew mine. So thank you, Ryan. <laughs> but anyway, 
uh, he talks about you know, the, the premise of much of what he writes is that seed prophecy, the seed of the woman yes. crushing the head of the serpent or the seed of the serpent. And after that uh, pronouncement was when he realized that the man and the woman are become as one of us to know good and evil. Mm -hmm. So in Genesis chapter 3, verse 22, we read, And the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. And if he had lived forever in a sin-filled body, that would have been bad. Yes. Therefore, the Lord God sent him forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man from the garden and he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims. Yes. Remember those creatures we've talked mm -hmm. about. And a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. So at least at one point in human history, the tree of life was still on the earth. Yes. And it's in a spiritual garden, a spiritual realm, if you will. And, and, but men could access it, so he had to guard, post these guards of these cherubim there and a flaming sword. I suspect that if it's still on the earth, we can't see it because it's in a dimension that we can't access. Okay. Or it may simply be in heaven now, and we don't have access anymore, but at one time we did. So at one point, humans and angels occupied the earth at the same time. And they interacted. Okay. And and we know about that from the fact that um, you know Adam and Eve spoke to God face to face in the garden, and I suspect that who they spoke to was Jesus Christ Himself, the pre-incarnate Christ. Okay. You know, in His glorified form before He was conceived of a woman and born as a flesh and blood man. So He's God the Son, eternal existent with the Father. So when the Lord was walking through the garden in the cool of the day, since God the Father is a spirit mm -hmm. and no man has seen him at any time, who they saw was the Son. That God makes the sense. Son. Yeah. In his person as the pre-incarnate Lord. And they spoke with him and he's the one that talked to them and made that pronouncement. Uh, and then um, if there were other angels around, I suspect that Adam and Eve could have seen them because that's what the serpent used to tempt them when he said, you shall be as gods knowing good and evil, and they would have seen the angels as the gods. Mm -hmm. And then the fallen angels would have been around too. Yes. And I don't think they would have been visibly different to them other than to know that they were rebellious angels, you know. And then, of course, we know about later on when there were some angels that left their estate and took daughters of men for wives. Yes. And had children. And, of course, the Nephilim were the hybrid offspring, and they also interacted with humanity to such a degree that they... Uh, basically corrupted the bloodline of mankind. Yes. So that only Adam, uh, rather Noah and his family was pure human. And so the flood had to kill all those Nephilim. Yep, that, that was something. Crazy stuff. Now, interestingly enough, though, we're talking about spiritual portals. So that's one possibility. But there's another one <clears throat> that when God planted the garden in Eden, the region is Eden. So think of Eden as a country and the garden is one specific part of it. Okay. And just like, you know, our city in Texas, one specific, it's really not a garden of Eden, but it's, it's, <laughs> it's home and it's we call it home. It's a city. <laughs> so it says in verse 10 that a river went out of Eden to water the garden and from thence it was parted and came into four heads. So at that time there was a single river that split into four. And the four different rivers, he describes them. Uh, the name of the first is Pison, 
That is it which compasseth the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold, and the gold of that land is good. And there is Delium and the onyx stone. And the name of the second river is Gihon, the same as that that compasseth the whole land of Ethiopia. And at this time, the earth wasn't split into the continents that we know today. So, you know, you don't think, well, wait a minute, Ethiopia is not anywhere near yeah. this other region. Uh, but that's because maybe uh, that's after the time when the land was divided. And the name of the third river is Hittakel. That is it which goeth toward the east of Assyria. And the fourth river is Euphrates. So the Euphrates River is probably the one river that most of our listeners have heard of. I've heard of it. Yeah, the other three don't exist in that name anymore. Okay. But the Euphrates is still called the Euphrates. Now, what's interesting, and Brother Ryan talks about this too, that uh, in the scriptures, the you know, if you think of Israel, the nation that exists today is a tiny little country. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not much bigger than New Jersey. Really? Yeah. If you looked at it in the landmass, and I'm, I'm guessing because I'm looking at a map, you know, <laughs> I didn't go measure it. <laughs> but it's really a very small country if you compare it to something like Spain or France or Germany or any any other European nation, never mind Russia, China, United States, Yeah, Canada. we're pretty huge. We're huge, right? Russia's gigantic. Um, <clears throat> but the actual promised land, if you looked on a map, extends from the Euphrates River as the northern border to the Nile as the southern border, and includes Saudi Arabia and all this area. It's huge. It's a huge land. So the promised land is more than just that sliver that Israel occupied traditionally and even today. Mm -hmm. It's less today than it was at one point. Under Solomon, it was bigger than it is today. But um, ultimately, when the Lord comes back and he restores everything, the promise will be fulfilled, and it's from the Euphrates to the Nile. So when you think about it, Israel was separated from among the nations, geographically speaking, as well as spiritually. Therefore, Ryan puts the idea that the Euphrates is really the dividing line of the Gentile nations and Israel. Same for the Nile. And Egypt, of course, conquered at one point, uh, or at least they put the children of Israel in bondage under Pharaoh for a while. And they were delivered from that bondage out of Egypt later. So interestingly enough, he talks about the fact that when man, after the flood, at the Tower of Babel, and they turned their heart away from God, and they tried to build that big tower in the city, and God scattered them abroad, he basically divided the nations amongst the fallen angels. You guys have control of them. Michael is the prince of Israel. So God's archangel was the guardian of Israel and the rest of the nations were scattered amongst the bad angels. So his, was his archangel Michael? Mm-hmm. Okay. Michael. And, uh, and for a while, you know, anytime Israel was protected, it's because Michael was there to, to be the hedge for them. Okay. When they disobeyed God, God said, Michael, go take five. <laughs> I'm going to let another <laughs> nation come punish them like Babylon yeah. and Nebuchadnezzar and things like that. So that comes into play because there's something about the Euphrates River that we're going to find out later is a spiritual portal of some bad things. Yeah. So we'll get to that in a little bit, but just keep that in the back of your mind. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So we'll move on to Genesis 28, uh, and chapter 28 is a uh, reference to Joseph dreaming a dream. Okay. Or excuse me, not Joseph, uh, uh, Jacob dreaming a dream. 
he travels and he lights in a place. Verse 10, and Jacob went out from Beersheba, it's Genesis 28, and went toward Haran. And he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took up the stones of that place and put them for his pillows. I read that and I think, who uses a stone for a pillow? Yeah, that's got to really hurt. <laughs> Don't you think? But I did hear that. Um, where is it? Is it monks? It's not monks. Maybe it's in China. They like use stones as a pillow. Maybe like Buddhist monks? I think so. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Maybe they know something we don't know. Maybe. And maybe there's something to that, you know. <laughs> I can't imagine a pillow being comfortable, you know. No. But, but he put them for his pillows, and he lay down in that place to sleep. Verse 12, and he dreamed. And behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. Now, we read the word ladder, and we're thinking a typical ladder. like Yes. Climb, but it's really a staircase. Okay. Okay. In the, in the context, it's a stairwell. And so think of it as like a giant spiral staircase that appears out of nowhere, right? Okay. Uh, I say spiral. I don't know if it's spiraling, but uh, <laughs> just think of a big, beautiful plantation or something gorgeous with a big, open staircase. So I always say plantation because I'm from the south. I don't know. What do you call a big, beautiful house that's anywhere else in the world? Would it be a mansion? I guess so. A mansion. A mansion okay, or... I'll use the word mansion. Because a, a lot of people, if they didn't grow up in South Louisiana, they don't know what I'm talking about. Like, yeah. what is that? What is he talking about? Where is the he? Farmhouse. Where did he grow up? So, yeah, a mansion. And so the, the staircase of this mansion is what he's seeing. And the top of it reached to heaven, and behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and the God of Isaac. The land whereon thou liest to thee will I give it and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and on and on. And I won't read the whole thing there, but in verse 16, Jacob awaked out of his sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place. So there's some sort of a portal there yes. where he could see the angels ascending and descending and God at the top there mm -hmm. speaking to him, you know, the Lord. And he was afraid, and he said, How dreadful is this place. This is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Wow. Interesting thought. You know, yeah. The gate of heaven. And, it lay, and the city was named, he called it Bethel. He named it Bethel. And it's, a, it's not far from the Jordan River. And, you know, Ryan Peterson talks about rivers having a spiritual opening connection, okay. you know. Uh, and we'll definitely see that in the Euphrates, but, uh, and, and certainly the Jordan River, too. So he wasn't far from the Jordan River, but he wasn't close. He wasn't on the banks of it when mm -hmm. this happened. So whatever this was, it was some form of a portal. Now, speaking of river portals, we'll go to the book of Ezekiel. And I always forget to set my watch so that I can see how long we've been. I like to not go too long. <laughs> in Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 1. Now, it came to pass in the 30th year, in the fourth month, in the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives by the river of Kibar, that the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. So he's by a river again. Okay. It's called the river Kibar. And Kibar is actually really kind of just a creek or tributary that comes off the Euphrates. Okay. And it, it winds away and then it comes back and joins it again. So it's called Kibar, or at least it was called Kibar. So it's basically a little branch of the Euphrates River. And he saw the heavens open and saw visions of God in the fifth day of the month, which was the fifth year of King Jehoiakim's captivity. So this is during the time when Israel was captive in Babylon. That's right. That's when God turned his... Uh 
face away from them. Well, he did for the 70 years there, which was a picture of what would later follow mm -hmm. for 2,000 years, you know. Yes. But the, uh, you're right, but the, definitely it was a, a time when they were captive, and the Euphrates River runs right through that region, Babylon, okay? And so what did he see there in verse 4? I looked, and behold, a whirlwind came out of the north, a great cloud, and a fire enfolding itself, and a brightness was about it. And out of the midst thereof was as the color of amber, out of the midst of the fire. You think about a fire enfolding itself. I don't know how we would describe that, but he was probably seeing some form of, of, of a traveling vessel. Do you think like it was like a fire and then it kind of just like opened up like this? Yeah, I don't know. Enfolding seems to imply that it was consuming itself. Okay. And so, I mean, to me... If I had to guess, I think he was seeing some form of a craft that used advanced technology for propulsion. So he could have been seeing what we would call a UFO. Okay, so because not actually a traveling. fire. Yeah, not a fire, but if it had some sort of a, you know, a flame propelling it forward or something, what we might call a flame. It could have been just a light source. Okay. Or the energy propulsion system. But what else would he know it? He doesn't know anything about electricity, mm -hmm. right? He doesn't know anything about nuclear fission. <laughs> so he's seeing a fire, yeah, right? And then he says, also out of the midst thereof <clears throat> came the likeness of four living creatures. And this was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man, and everyone had four faces, and everyone had four wings, and their feet were straight feet, and the sole of their feet was like the sole of a calf's foot, and they sparkled like the color of burnished brass, and they had the hands of a man under their wings on their four sides, so they have wings. And they four had their faces and their wings, so he's seeing cherubs. Mm -hmm. Just like the four cherubs, or the cherubs, that were guarding the tree of life in Genesis 3, you know. And these cherubs apparently are surrounding the throne of God, because he sees God on the throne as well. So here we have a river portal of, to the spiritual dimension, to heaven, and he can see God on a throne. He, he goes on to describe it if you read the whole chapter. And he sees these cherubim. Euphrates River, the river Kibar, right? And then um, if we go to the book of Matthew, when Jesus Christ was baptized by John the Baptist to begin his ministry, in verse 13 of chapter 3 we read, Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I need to be baptized of thee. And comest thou to me? I mean, John knew who he was. Mm -hmm. And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now. That means, let, let me do this, you know. For thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. So he baptized him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So a voice came from heaven because it's like, again, a portal. Mm -hmm. you know. And here he is in a river, right? Another, something about water. Something about water. So is it possible that the Bermuda Triangle, which has water and land, has some sort of a spiritual connection or realm? It's certainly possible. Yes. You know Why God would use that for any purpose, I can't see in the Scripture. Satan might use it for some purposes. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I can agree with that website that said it's uh, hidden under the ocean yeah. for dark, sinister purposes. Any purpose of Satan is going to be dark. But are there satanic powers, you know, involved? For sure. Yeah. I they're certainly all over the world, mm -hmm. you know, and maybe not limited to the Bermuda Triangle. But we know Satan has power. 
Now, it's limited by God himself. Satan doesn't think that. Satan thinks he's doing it of his own accord, you know. Very true. But uh, if we go back to the book of Job, we might recall there was a time when the sons of God came before the Lord to present themselves. Now, why is John called John the Baptist? Well, because he was the first one that did baptizing okay. as a, a person that was outside of the order of the priesthood. Because believe it or not, most people don't realize this, water baptism was a Jewish ordinance. Hi, we hope you're enjoying the podcast, but I want to take a moment to remind you of something very important. There are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. And the world is fast approaching the end game, and we want to expose the coming deception before time runs out. Freedom of speech is under attack, and evil elements within governments and multinational corporations are trying to prevent you from learning the truth. Scott and I are being censored by social media platforms as we speak. This is true, so you can help us use the satanic global elite's own tools against them. Subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast so the controlled media can't shut us down. We can use our own platforms to help expose them and keep you informed. But to do that, we need your support. Help us to go full-time with Bible Mysteries. Just $7 a month gives you every current episode ad-free without these annoying appeals. You also get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to the community forum where we answer your questions. Just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to help us stop the assault on Christianity and free speech. And don't forget, you can always donate any amount to support us at utbnow.com. These gifts are tax deductible. Thanks again, and here's the show. Oh, and it okay. And it was very old. It was 1,500 years old when Jesus was born. Uh, priests were washed to ordain them into the priesthood. And uh, sacrifices were washed to prepare them for the altar. Wow. Yeah. So baptism was a Jewish ordinance, and it was never really honestly meant for Gentiles until there's going to be a point in time when it'll be applied to them. But uh, so, you know, think about John the Baptist. He's a guy that lives out in the wilderness, and he's a prophet, so he wears camel's skin. Yeah. And he eats locusts and wild honey. You know, (laughs) he's not your average person, (laughs) normal. And so he's preaching in the wilderness and he preaches in around Jordan River and people are being baptized by him. You know, now in contrary to most understanding, baptism was sprinkling water, you know. So he would go down to the river because there was water there. But he would pour water on them if he had maybe a vessel of some kind. Oh. He would okay. sprinkle it on them. Because who wants to have their head held yeah, underwater? I don't know yeah. Who wants to be submerged? Well but. that that's what a lot of people think that that it was. And like who would let a crazy man from the desert hold mm-hmm. you? He might not let me back up, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but um, no he sprinkled water upon them and so uh, he was the first to baptize outside of the Jewish priesthood because he was baptizing under Christ. Okay. It was a new thing. It was something new. Uh, but that was a good question. So Job, uh, the book of Job is an Old Testament book. And in verse 9, we read uh, that God was talking to Satan about Job, mm-hmm. who was a righteous man. And he says, haven't you noticed him? He's such a good guy. I'm paraphrasing. And Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for naught or nothing? Hast not thou made an hedge about him? Like almost Michael the archangel for Israel. And Job is really a picture of Israel, in a sense, before tribulation and during. 
and about his house and about all that he hath on every side. Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. And so this is the, the devil trying to test God. Yeah. And, and the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord, meaning God gave Satan permission to attack Job's home and family, and he did. There was a day when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house, and there came a messenger unto Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the asses feeding beside them, and the Sabians fell upon them and took them away. Yea, they've slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another, another one of the servants, and said, The fire of God has fallen from heaven, and hath burned up the sheep and the servants, and consumed them, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. And he, he goes on to say other things, but clearly Satan was given a power to use humans as proxies, the Sabians, and also what we might call supernatural powers, the fire of God. Yeah. God allowed him to basically access a portal where a power came down and burned up all the sheep and the camels and whatever. And so there's the ability when God allows it for Satan <clears throat> to do signs and wonders. He has access to that spiritual dimensional powers, if you will, mm -hmm. as he will again. But another thing, uh, if we fast forward back to the time of Christ and we talked about this passage many times in Luke chapter 4 because we talk about Satan offering him all the kingdoms of the world. But verse 5 is where it says, and the devil taking him up into an high mountain showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. So he must have had the ability at that moment to transcend time in some form, to step outside of time, if you will, because God is outside of time. And he was able to show Christ, all the kingdoms of the world. I don't know if that meant the kingdoms in the future or just all the kingdoms of the world at that moment in time. Okay. But to travel to every country where there was a kingdom mm -hmm. in an instant, you know, and see them. So uh, it was some form of a supernatural power that he used for his own purpose. And he used it to tempt Christ, who, of course, denied it yes. and rejected the offer. And then finally, in 2 Thessalonians, Chapter 2, we see what's coming is the Antichrist, the man of sin. And he is going to have power. Verse uh, Chapter 2, verse 8 says, And then shall the, that wicked be revealed. And that's another name for the Antichrist. Whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. And so Satan is going to empower this man to work signs and wonders, and they're going to look like miracles to people on earth. They're going to be deceived by them. Mm -hmm. But it's really going to be a satanic power. So clearly there's portals in the Bible. Uh, Satan has powers, and he can access that when God permits him, and he will permit him to do so in the end times, and it'll be a great deception on the earth. So I can see him utilizing that power through those portals for that deception, what would he, what interest would he have in the Bermuda Triangle? Or any other realm for that matter? What do you think? I don't know. 
I don't see it. I don't see the Bermuda Triangle being something that they would want to conquer or have. Yeah. But, um, it's not what he's interested in. Yeah. Seems to me. I would agree with that. It doesn't tie into his ultimate goal, which is to conquer Jerusalem yeah. and take the promised land. He's been after that piece of real estate for yeah, thousands of years. Yeah, and that real estate is not in the <clears throat> Triangle. And Bermuda might be a nice place. You know, it's <laughs> real pretty island, but that's not what the devil yeah. wants. So, yeah, I agree with you. And then when you think about if there are other points on the planet that have some dark or satanic significance, you might say maybe there's something to the pyramids. Yes. Or to Stonehenge. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Or to Machu Picchu in Peru or wherever yeah. that is. Tibet, mm -hmm. you know, where the a lot of Eastern mystical teachings come from. So what would any of these points of reference have in connection to Satan? Well, certainly the mystery of iniquity is already working. Mm -hmm. So if he can deceive the world through false religions, through false science, you know, through whatever, yeah, I, I could see that factoring in. But... If we talk about the Bermuda Triangle and what it's known for, things that are supposed to vanish without a trace. Yeah. Well, nothing vanishes without a trace. Mm -hmm. Or does it? Can matter disappear? And that's the real question. According to the laws of thermodynamics, matter can neither be created nor destroyed. You know, okay. all the matter that exists ever is in existence right now, and it only changes form. So you think like if you take a piece of wood and you burn it, <clears throat> you think, well, I destroyed it. It doesn't exist anymore. Well, it was converted from one form to another. The wood was consumed by fire and separated into ashes or coal, mm -hmm. oxygen, carbon dioxide, whatever is the off put, you know, and whatever. I'm sorry to be the slap in the face. <laughs> whatever is the offshoot of the different chemical compounds mm -hmm. that might have been in the wood, right? So... And it just takes another form. Now oxygen is in the air or it was consumed and carbon dioxide is in the air, whatever, yeah. whatever the case may be. But there are instances in the Bible where matter definitely disappeared. Now it didn't, it didn't get destroyed, it just a form changed. And we can see that in the scripture. So, you know, I don't believe that that's necessarily what took place in the Bermuda Triangle. But there's evidence in the scripture that things can happen like that. Mm -hmm. And in the case of Jesus, it was in a good way. So we'll go to Luke chapter 24. And this is after Christ had been crucified, buried, and raised again the third day. Okay. And the disciples uh, are thinking he's dead, and they're sad. And there's two of them, and we don't know which two they were, but they were traveling to a little town called Emmaus. And Jesus had risen from the dead, and he's... He goes and he joins them and they're walking and they don't recognize him. So they're talking to him and he says, why are you so sad? And they said, are you a stranger? Haven't you heard about what happened yeah. recently? And they tell the whole story of how Jesus was crucified and we thought he was going to be the savior of Israel. And so here he is. He knows all this because he's the Lord, but he doesn't reveal himself to them. And so they talk and as it gets late, they're... Um, they're thinking, well, we got to turn in for the night. We're not going to make it to the city. And you just didn't travel at night. It was too dangerous. So it came to pass as he sat at meat with them. They sit down to dinner. And he took bread and blessed it and break and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened. The moment he blessed the bread, they went, oh, you're Jesus, you know. <laughs> and the moment their eyes were opened and they knew him, he vanished out of their sight. 
Now, normal matter doesn't do that. That's so cool. I wish I could do that. Like, oh. I honestly believe that we will have the ability to do that when we get those bodies like mm -hmm. his, the glorified bodies. So clearly, if he vanished out of their sight, he can rearrange matter. He's the creator of matter. So he can rearrange it if he wants to, to simply step out of that dimension and into another one mm -hmm. for whatever reason he has, you know. So there's one instance of it. And then a little bit later, when they finally run and join the others, and they say, we saw him. <laughs> he disappeared in front of us. And as they thus spake, they're telling him the story, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them. And they're in a house, and the doors are closed. Okay. And he saith unto them, peace be unto you. Now, to prove that he didn't just walk through the door, but they were terrified and affrighted and supposed they'd seen a spirit. Because he just... Hey, guys, you would <laughs> you jump out of your skin, right? <clears throat> and he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as you see me have. So he's not a spirit. He's physical. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> he's tangible. He's real. And later on, he even makes Thomas put his fingers in his nail prints, you know, from the wounds, yeah. from the cross. Uh, and when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he said unto them, have you here any meat? And meat is the old English word for food. Okay. <clears throat> he wasn't asking for like a hamburger. <laughs> you know, meat could have been bread or honey or pomegranates or fish or whatever. And they gave him a piece of a broiled fish and a honeycomb. And he took it and did eat before them. So not only is he flesh and bones, but he can consume food. Yeah. So he's physical matter mm -hmm. that can vanish or That's reappear, so cool. you know? That's amazing. So definitely he possesses the power to do that. So matter can vanish. And then uh, the same uh, account is given in the book of John chapter 20. I'll just read one more. And verse 26. After eight days again, his disciples were within and Thomas with them. He's the one that doubted. He was the only one that didn't see that last appearance we just read. Okay. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. So it's the same thing. Like, yeah. You got to quit popping in like that, Jesus. <laughs> You're scaring us. Uh, and, and that's what happened. And that's when he told Thomas to reach in and touch my wounds for evidence to prove to him, you know. And you know, Thomas, that's why he, the term doubting Thomas. Doubting? I've never heard of that. Yeah, that's term. a common expression. It used to be a more common expression. <laughs> Doubting Thomas. So, since we know there's portals, and since we know matter can step through them and in and out of them, or mm -hmm. Jesus can, are there portals of darkness? Uh, yes. Clearly, the answer would be yes. So, <clears throat> this is where things get interesting when we come talking about the rivers again. We're talking mm -hmm. about Euphrates River. So, remember, that was supposedly that border, potentially the border. And the 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 world that's controlled by Satan was everything outside of that border. Now, when I say border, I don't mean the modern Israel's border, but where the eventual promised land will be fulfilled. So everything was outside of that. So it's almost as if to say, Satan had control of all the nations, but God was still in control of Israel. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean he lost control, but when Israel rejected him and he turned his face, and then they went to the rest of the world too. But eventually, he's going to restore them. And he's going to have a relationship with them again. And they're going to be his people and he's going to be their God. And then the land comes back into play. And it's the very land that the Antichrist wants. Yes. Okay. So the Euphrates River will be factored in again if we go to the book of Revelation chapter 9. 
in verse 13. I apologize for the pollen and allergies that it causes me, all kind of problems. <laughs> so we'll jump right into verse 13. And the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel, which had the trumpet, loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. Doesn't make you want to go swimming in that river, does it? Nope, not at all. <laughs> I don't want to swim in any river. Can you imagine if four satanic angels were chained up in a river? And I would just keep on walking back, <clears throat> my man. I think I'll just... keep moving along here. <laughs> now watch what happens when they're loose. And by the way, these would have been four of the angels that were involved in Genesis 6 when they took the wives and they sinned. Oh. The rest of them were chained in the bottomless pit. But these four evidently are reserved for something else. And you have to think, well, why would God put them there? Why wouldn't he just destroy them? Because when God pours his wrath out on the world, he's going to use the same entities that caused the mess in the first place. Okay. So when he poured the flood out on the world, it was his wrath. Mm -hmm. And there were angels on the earth intermingling with men. When he pours his final wrath on the world, there's going to be angels intermingling with men. And that's why Christ said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. There's going to be a great deception and humans and angels are going to be interconnecting again in a way that's vastly evil, vastly evil. So <clears throat> the four angels were loosed, which were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year for to slay the third part of men. And it's interesting that the flood was on the earth for the exact same amount of time. Wow. Yeah. And the number of the army of the horsemen were 200,000,000. And if you do the math, that's 200 million. Whoa. And these horsemen are controlled or governed by these four angels. And they come up out of this river. And I heard the number of them. And thus I saw the horses in the vision. And them that sat on them having breastplates of fire and of jacinth and brimstone. And the heads of the horses were as the heads of lions. And out of their mouths issued fire and smoke and brimstone. By these three was the third part of men killed. Third part of men on the earth are going to be killed by this 200 million strong army of horrifying creatures that come out of the Euphrates River. Whoa. For their power is in their mouth and in their tails. For their tails were like unto serpents and had heads and with them they do hurt. So they go out to, and God uses these satanic angels. Imagine how mad they've been. They've been chained under the river for 5,000 years. They're you know? not very happy. They're not happy. And these satanic entities might be the spirits of their offspring, the Nephilim, you know, that mm -hmm. are going to be possessing these weird creature things. And, and, and you'd think that'd be enough to scare anybody to Jesus, yeah. right? Verse 20 says, And the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues yet repented not of the works of their hands, that they should not worship devils and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood, which neither can see nor hear nor walk. Neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornication, nor of their thefts. So this still isn't enough to convince men to stop worshiping the Antichrist and the devils. Wow. That's... It's amazing. So the Euphrates River will tie in again as a portal opening of horrible darkness and horrible things that are going to come out. And if we back up to the beginning of this chapter, we see something really interesting too. That was the sixth angel that blew a trumpet and sounded. 
the fifth angel, when he sounds, John writes in verse 1, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth. Now, we know something about stars, right? What have we learned about stars in the Bible? Uh, the morning stars are the falling angels. Yeah. Well, morning stars are angels in general. Mm -hmm. The fallen angels were morning stars. Okay. So angels can be stars. Mm -hmm. That's right. So you got that right. And this star that falls from heaven unto the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit. Now, why would any angel do that? Because God told them to. Or is it possible that this particular angel wants those things out for his purposes, which would make this angel Lucifer? That too. He's, he's a star. He's a morning star, right? Mm -hmm. He's one of those original angels that rebelled. He's a cherub, right? So he's, we know that there's going to, at some point, be a battle in heaven between Michael and God's angels and the fallen angels. And when those angels battle, Lucifer and his angels are going to be cast down to the earth. It's going to coincide with this time. So he's going to come down and he's going to say, all my brothers that are chained in the bottomless pit, I want to let them out. I need them for my purposes. Yeah. And that's when they're going to mingle with the seed of men, with the children of men. <sighs> So he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit, as the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. Now, I have no reason to believe and could never even try to prove that the bottomless pit is anywhere near the Bermuda Triangle. You know, I don't know where this location is, but it's a spiritual realm. Yes. But he's going to release them, and they're going to come to the earth. Well, if the angels that are chained in the Euphrates River are going to come out with that 200 million army of hideous creatures. It's very possible that the bottomless pit is going to be somewhere on the earth. Yes. And wouldn't it be interesting if the CERN super collider in Switzerland is that portal, is that opening, is the key to that, you know, because they're messing with things in the spiritual realm that they don't know what they're doing. Really? Yeah, well, they're looking at it from a subatomic quantum physics perspective as scientists. But there is a connection between the spiritual realm and quantum physics. Uh, there's, there's, I'm not smart enough to go into that right now, but uh, there's a lot about that. So um, what comes out of the pit? Well, the smoke of the great furnace comes out of the pit, mm -hmm. and the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth. And unto them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. And to them it was given that they should not kill them, but they should be tormented five months. And their torment was the torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man, as, as the torment. And in those days men shall seek death and shall not find it, and shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. And this is going to be the result of taking the mark of the beast. When human beings take the mark of the Antichrist, they're going to be genetically altered somehow to where they can't die. They can't die this, the death that they, and they want to die because they're going to be tormented for five months by these hideous things. Yeah. And these are probably the, uh, those fallen angels and they've been um, degenerated into this form now that look like these locust type things. Um, verse 7, And the shapes of the locusts were like unto horses, prepared unto battle. And on their heads were, as it were, crowns like gold. And their faces were as the faces of men. And they had hair as the hair of women. And 
their teeth were as the teeth of lions. And they had breastplates, as it were, breastplates of iron. And all of these things are sort of figuring into prophetic verses of Scripture that talk about iron mixing with clay and whatever. And so it's clearly these are those uh, fallen angels that were chained. And the sound of their wings was as the sound of chariots of many horses running to battle. And they had tails like unto scorpions, and there were stings in their tails, and their power was to hurt men five months. So it's very similar in a way to the things that come out of the Euphrates River. But these come out of the bottomless pit. Now to close tonight's discussion, or today's discussion, um, there's a king over these angels that come out of the bottomless pit. Mm -hmm. Verse 11 says, and they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, as, as though he's in charge. He seems to be like the guy in charge of them. Still in the bottomless pit, mm -hmm. but he's the leader of these things, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, but in the Greek tongue hath his name Apollyon. And Apollyon and Abaddon both mean destruction or the destroyer. Oh. And so there's a great mystery connected to him, and we're going to talk about that in the next episode. Oh, why does that, that name is, <laughs> I like the name, but I'm like, why? Apollyon. Yeah. Well, it's okay if you want to name your son Apollyon. He might be a kid that just breaks things all the time. <laughs> I'm okay with that, as long as he doesn't destroy other things. If he doesn't destroy the planet, we're okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and of course, uh, Apollo was one of the Greek gods. Very true. Yeah, Apollos. So, uh, but Apollyon literally means destruction or the destroyer. So tune in next week, folks, because we're going to talk about the mystery of Apollyon. Ooh. And we're going to find some very wild things out about this angel. Yes, we are. So thanks for tuning in today. Like always, guys, thank you so much for coming and joining us. Like, subscribe, and share. And comment down below if you've ever heard anything about Apollyon. Yeah, if you know something about him, let us know. And for those of you that were hoping that we could find some Bible connection in the Bermuda Triangle, doesn't mean you might know something that I just didn't see. So share anything about that. Yes. That you have. I couldn't find it, but we hoped to cover that spiritual portal idea today and show you that there could there's possibilities there. Very true. So as always, Zena, thank you for joining. Thank you for having me. And I hope you guys have had a happy new year. Yes, and that you were all safe. Yes. And so, Lord willing, we'll see you next time. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening today. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to Bible Mysteries and share it with a friend. If you want to learn more, you can go to Unlock the Bible Now. That's utbnow.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast. You can even gift a subscription to a friend. That's right. Remember, just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to join and help us expose the satanic global elite, or make a tax-deductible donation at UTBNow.com. We need your help to fight the global censorship of the truth. Thanks for your support.